We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast the saturday edition of the pack a day podcast it is another weekend we are just one day from green bay packers football on sunday and it's good to be back. I am your host, Jason Perrone. Along with me is, as usual, in the Dairy State of Wisconsin, Dairyland State of Wisconsin, Paul Brettel. No Matt Fralick this weekend. He is doing some family chores and duties. We will miss him greatly, but we will absolutely not forget him in this episode. So it's just going to be me and Paul. Paul Brettel, Dairyland State of Wisconsin. How are we doing? I am doing excellent, Jason. It's been a while since me and you have been on this on this podcast together. Man, I know. I came back, you missed a week, and then last week was the Mike Whale conversation, uh, Wall mm-hmm. conversation, which was always awesome. I had him on Quick Slants podcast a couple weeks ago, and he's always a really good conversation. So this was, was okay to concede one show for the Wallster, right? Oh, absolutely. It was a terrific conversation. Yeah, but... Even though Matt is not with us, he still did his job with regards to the weather report, which, as you know, we always have to start out with here. So we got to go all from from east to west, and this is really starting to, to challenge my geography here. So I actually think the furthest east would be Sweden, out of Sweden and Germany, right? Am I doing that right? I think I'm right. So... I'll we have yes. <laughs> Martin Halander sends a message to to Matt. It is getting colder in my parts of Sweden. We had the first snowfall this week, but now it is sunny and 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Did the conversion for us, and the sun is going to shine all weekend. That is the weather report in Sweden. So it is cold over there for sure. My my eight year old son plays soccer, and one of his coaches grew up in Sweden. He was a soccer player, semi pro soccer player out there. So he's probably used to those cold temperatures too, but. Uh, and then Matt got another one from Istvan in German or in in uh, Germany or actually Stefan is the way he pronounces it here. But he says the rural area in Germany has been quite windy the last few days, but till game day it should be better. Fifty-seven for the high, forty-two for the low in Fahrenheit could be way better, but also has have seen worse days. gives us gives us a big shout out. So a couple of 
shout outs from Sweden and Germany. Paul, do we have anybody in Europe on your end of things? No, I didn't get any this week, but here in the state of Wisconsin, Green Bay specifically, I have to say that the the warmth it held on, it, it really it really fought this fall. But I think fall is fully here. We are now into the low fifties for highs, getting around that freezing mark for lows. And this Sunday, when the Washington football team comes to town to take on the Packers, it's gonna be some football weather. High of only fifty-two. So the fall is finally here. That it is indeed. It is time for things to turn a little bit for Packers football. Well, here in the Phoenix area, mid-80s, sunny. This is the time of year we start to, we're starting to get into bragging territory, as I call it, when things are cooling off everywhere else, but they're still warm and sunny here, and it's always always really nice to have some nice weather on game days. And as always, our weekly contributor from Kamloops, Canada, the western part of Canada, Harry, says that Saturday, clouds increasing, 40% chance of rain, which means a little bit more snow on the pass and the mountaintops. He's got a 57-degree high, 37-degree low, and a great week coming up. Lots of clouds and rain. Send any sunshine you get my way is what Harry says. So that's your weather report. And on we move to the injury report for the Green Bay Packers as they get set to take on the Washington football team. I don't know, Paul, I don't know about you, but I had a little bit of, uh, well, I guess not so much withdrawal this week because we still had some news because after the Jalen Smith news and it's like we just expect the Packers to add somebody every single week. They added Whitney Merciless, the outside linebacker from the Houston Texans. He spent his whole career with the Texans after being drafted there in the first round in 2012. They let him go. He chose the Green Bay Packers. I know you talked about it on Packers Unrestricted. Going to give a big boost to the pass rush that still has no idea if or when they're going to see Zadarius Smith. So since this is an injury-related show, I still think we can talk a little bit about the Whitney Merciless signing for our audience here and if they didn't happen to catch Packers Unrestricted. And I completely forgot to introduce you properly, Paul Brennell of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV and the Packers Unrestricted podcast. (laughs) Um, Some quick thoughts on Merciless. Obviously not a bad thing. No, not at all. I mean, the depth is absolutely needed. We know Zadarius is on IR. We don't know when he's coming back. Chauncey Rivers was just put on IR. His is season ending. Preston Smith, we'll touch on this here shortly, but he was a limited participant. We don't know if he's going to play. I mean, that edge rusher room just in general is thin. And even with a fully healthy Preston Smith, a fully healthy Rashawn Gary, it's not as if those two alone can take all the snaps. And Jonathan Garvin has stepped up, uh, especially his last few weeks. But again, you need more than three edge rushers to get through the season. So Whitney Merciless, he is not the Whitney Merciless of 2015-16, not even the Whitney Merciless of 2018 or 2019, but he provides veteran stability. You know, instead of having to rely on Ladarius Hamilton or Tipa Galaya, you now at least have a veteran presence to lean on in these situations. And he should be utilized primarily as a third down pass rusher or, you know, second and longs, obvious passing situations. That's where he's going to be at his best. We'll, we'll see if he plays this Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure what to think. I think that, you know, they could carve out 10, 12 snaps for him. Like I said, in those obvious pass rushing situations, I mean, Matt LaFleur talked about it. We all know there's a lot more that goes into it than just, Hey, go get the quarterback. But especially if Preston Smith can't go, you're going to need someone to just, hey, go get the quarterback. So that's one that I'm curious about. I 
if I had to lean one way or the other, that's tough because Green Bay is usually typically conservative in these situations, but I would like to see him out there. Yeah, I use the Jalen Smith example as well in that they brought him in. I mean, Merciless has not had any time to get caught up on anything here. I mean, he had just, I can't imagine why you would need to throw him out there, especially when you're, like you said, you know, you're, we're getting the, they're getting the production from Rashawn Gary, and even Jonathan Garvin's played okay in spot duty. There's, they have some options. So I think the Packers will be okay. And you don't want to take any opponent for granted. And I liked what Matt LaFleur said when he was asked if this could be a trap game, although I do feel like the trap game question has been a kind of a weekly thing lately because it's like, okay, you had Cincinnati. Is this a trap game? The Bears, is this a trap game? And now Washington, is this a trap game? It's like they're all football games. The Packers need to prepare for all of them, and that's exactly what Matt LaFleur said. He said, we prepare for each one of them as with the same attention and intention as we need to in order to get accomplish what we need to accomplish because the second you take your eye off the prize, you lose a game you shouldn't lose. And with the Packers schedule coming up after the Washington game, that is the roughest stretch of highway I think this schedule offers. Mm-hmm. They've got at Arizona on a short week, who is currently unbeaten, at Kansas City, then they are home against Seattle, they're at Minnesota, and then they're home against the Los Angeles Rams on Thanksgiving. I believe that's Thanksgiving weekend. So that is, I think these next six, seven games are really going to define the season, and they're going to need all of their guys. Now, Earlier in the week, Paul, the, the injury report was a little bit bigger. There was, a, there was a bunch of guys that were dinged up that were listed with different various ailments here. We knew that the new injuries were Josh Myers. He finally gets over the finger issue. He missed a game. He comes back, and within a few snaps, he's out with a knee injury. He's been ruled out. That knee injury has kept him out of practice. Josh Myers will not be playing this week, so no Josh Myers. So they'll have to figure out what they're going to do at center and I guess let's start there the offensive line has been a bright spot for the Green Bay Packers one of many that has had to fill in and and replace guys that have been missing David Bakhtiari obviously has been out we'll talk about Bakhtiari he returned to practice this week after serving his time on the PUP Elton Jenkins had to miss a couple games Jenkins is back in the mix which is really good for the Packers especially since they're starting center is out and Jenkins is so versatile Royce Newman struggled a little bit against the Bears Dennis Kelly's out with a back injury. He didn't practice at all, so a little bit of depth lost there. But you have Yash Nyman who stepped in pretty well. So what are you expecting to see this weekend as far as who is going to be? They're going to have capable guys out there, but with no Josh Myers, are you moving Elton Jenkins to center? you got Lucas Patrick at center. What are you thinking that the Packers will do? I think they go with the same configuration that they did Sunday once Myers left. I think Patrick will be the center and then they'll keep Elton Jenkins at left tackle. Uh, Matt LaFleur said by the Packers grading system, how they go through and grade the players throughout the game, that Lucas Patrick was actually the highest graded offense alignment on the team against Chicago last week. Both LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers gave him uh, a good amount of praise this week, and understandably so. He did, he did play well, but Elton Jenkins has that versatility. But when we compare you know, uh, position uh, key positions on the, on this team or any team, you know, left tackle takes precedent over center. You know, you want your best left tackle out there. And so that's Elton Jenkins, you know, assuming that Bakhtiari isn't going to play. And I'll just jump to that right now. Um, Bakhtiari isn't on the injury report because technically he's fully healthy coming off the pup list, but that also doesn't mean he's going to play. Uh, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, Jason, but my expectations are that, are that we aren't going to see him until Kansas city. I think that there needs to be a ramp-up period. 
I mean, let's not forget, he has not practiced since the ACL injury took place. This, as we know, the Packers are a very conservative organization when it comes to injuries. And if the Cardinals game was next Sunday instead of this Thursday, I might feel, I would definitely feel, you know, more, or I would think the odds are greater of him playing. But just coming off a short week, I think having that extra mini buy in between is would be beneficial for him, like I said, to have that ramp up period. So I think, to answer your question, I think the offensive line is going to look as it did last week Jenkins, Runyon, Patrick, Newman, and Turner. And then, because I just don't think Bakhtiari is going to be back yet. I think it's going to be Kansas City. I think it makes so much sense for them to approach it that way. And again, the offensive line's been a bright spot. So whatever configuration they go with, I'm fine with it. And I don't want to take Washington lightly, but I do think the Packers can survive against an opponent that's not as good as they are. I don't think that's a big surprise, or I don't think I'm throwing any shade at Washington by saying they're not as good as Green Bay and they're on the road against a good Packers team at home that's only lost one game this season. As far as Bakhtiari goes, you know my thoughts about the Arizona Cardinals. You know how I feel about the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) I don't want to throw any game away, and if there's any way that Bakhtiari can play for Arizona and you get Jenkins and Bakhtiari both out there, I think it just gives the Packers a little bit of hope in that one. It's going to be such an uphill battle in a short week against a really good Cardinals team. And I just have to say, Paul, as somebody who lives out here and focuses on not liking the Cardinals very much because they just have dashed our hopes so many times in the playoffs, I feel like the Packers don't play here very often, but when they do, they always catch Arizona when they're good. They never catch Arizona (laughs) in one of their typical down, (laughs) the Cardinals stink seasons. It's always when Arizona is ramped up and they're at their best and they're going to host a playoff game. And I feel like Arizona, I feel like Green Bay could end up back in Arizona for a playoff game at some point as well. So I don't want to throw that one away. I want to make a statement. I want to try to steal one and hand Arizona their first loss. Now it is, like I said, it is going to be a monumental task and the Packers are going to do the best thing for Bakhtiari. The medical staff's always been very conservative And I think they'll, you know, like you said, they have an opportunity to rest him up for a little bit. And the more important thing is, yeah, you want to catch Arizona, but you're already behind Arizona at least one, if not one and a half games. So you want your guys healthy and ready for the end of the season. You don't want to, you don't want to overdo it now and then have all these constant setbacks and have any issues moving forward. So the Packers have to do what they have to do. I don't, uh, yeah, I I think that's that would be the wise thing to do is let Bakhtiari rest and have him come back and just have him be full go. You probably, hopefully, if things go well, get Myers back as well, and then you've got your whole line and your churning at that right. point as and far as as far as the offensive line goes. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if if he's a hundred percent and the medical staff says he's good to go, obviously play him. You know, we're not suggesting sit him out for the sake of sitting him out, but I just think there's going to be a slow ramp up period. Just based on how the Green Bay Packers typically operate. And again, it's been a long time since Bakhtiari's even been on the practice field. And one other thing with the offensive line, I mean, they're going through all these injuries, all these changes, and they're going up against some very good defensive fronts. And that's going to be the case again this week. The, the, the Washington defense has not lived up to expectations this season. They were one of the best in football last season in terms of points per game allowed. They're not the worst. But that defensive front with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Matt Iadonis, Deron Payne. I mean, that's another formidable group that this offensive line is going to be up against. And that's just a string of them that they've had to go. Basically, everyone except Detroit this season. New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, San Francisco. All very good defensive fronts. Washington is another. So it's going to be another tough test up front. And as we all know, that's where games are won and lost. The Green Bay Packers will need to find success 
on the ground to help open things up in the passing game, give Aaron Rodgers time. So I know the numbers show a red uh, Washington defense that is very much struggling and they have been, and that could still absolutely be the case, but don't, don't uh, sell this front short. No, definitely not. That's, and that's what I, I was saying too, is obviously can't afford to overlook anybody. And we've, we've seen it happen before. And I don't think even if the Packers did kind of start having their eye towards Arizona, which, you know, I, I almost kind of think the opposite. I almost think Arizona might, or the, the Packers may look at that Arizona game as, hey, look, we, we know that we're probably going to end up back in, in Glendale or in Phoenix if we have to face these guys. Not that you want to throw any game away, but it's a long season, and they've got an extra game thrown in there too, and they've got a rough stretch of games. And and so if you think about the, the next six that they have, you want to try to come out of it at least, I'd hope, four and two. And just keep your keep yourself churning and keep yourself burning and, and in the mix for as many home playoff games as you can. Obviously, we're looking way ahead and talking about playoffs before we've gotten to that point. But yeah, the strategy has got to be sound, and I think the Packers will will make good decisions. Speaking of which, too, and interestingly enough, man, this 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 season we we got a reprieve, Paul, for a couple seasons. There weren't the injuries weren't super bad. And the no. Packers stayed pretty healthy, and now it's like they're catching up for lost time, and and someone's always dinged up. And so we talked about Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless. You've got Preston Smith now, who's got his oblique injury. Now he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. He was limited on Friday. He's listed as questionable. He has never missed a game in his career, and I think there's something to be said about a player at this point with as many seasons as he has, wanting to keep that going. Obviously, you don't want to be unwise and play and put yourself at risk. But now here's Preston Smith having a chance to go up against his former team in Washington at home. I just, it would be very ironic if this ended up being the first game that he missed in his career. Both he and he's got, you got Joe Barry. He's got history with Washington as well. I think they're both going to want to show up good and big against their former team. Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, Preston Smith, I mean, it's football. That's a badge of honor to be able to go out there and say you've played this, you know, what was it? What is it like 107 consecutive games or something ridiculous like that. But one thing I want to note, and obviously every injury is different, every, you know, whether a player is in practice, out of practice or questionable, you know, anything like that, every player is different. But for Preston Smith, for example, he was a limited participant on Friday. He did not practice the other two days. Darnell Savage, he did not practice Wednesday, was a limited participant Thursday, Friday. Kevin King was a limited participant all three days. When Elton Jenkins was coming back from his ankle injury, and again, this is just a reference point. This doesn't mean that we aren't going to see these guys, but it's a reference point. When Elton Jenkins was coming back before the Cincinnati game, he did not practice on Wednesday and was limited on Thursday and Friday. He did not play that game. So I think for for me to feel more confident that any of these guys were going to step in this week, and maybe they still do, I'm obviously just taking a guess here, I would have liked to have seen at least – Friday for any of them be a full participant in practice so just something to be mindful of and if none of them can't go or one or two of them can I wrote an article at Dairyland Express earlier this week about how during this five-in-one stretch of this to start the season of course the stars Aaron Rodgers Kenny Clark Devontae Aaron Jones they all have to step up or you know play to their ability but a big part of the Green Bay Packers success is that the backups and the role players have really have really stepped up during or to handle these injuries Jonathan Garvin the last few weeks as you mentioned Jason he's he's but he's got six pressures a sack or two Dean Lowry we've seen find success Henry Black stepping in last week 
for Darnell Savage. Roz, uh, uh, Douglas came in, played 52 snaps. He's only been in Green Bay for, what, a little over two weeks. Shannon Sullivan in the slot, he's given up two receptions on six targets for only 11 yards the last two weeks. We're seeing, and that's a big reason behind the Packers' success early on outside of the Stars, of course, is that we're seeing these backups, these role players, perform well when they're thrusted into you know, starting positions and playing a number of meaningful snaps. And when it comes to uh, Smith, Savage, and King, we don't know if they're going to play or not on Sunday. And those guys are going to have to step up in their place once again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I was going to mention that and talk about guys like Henry Black. I just, it, you think back to the, the seasons when the Packers have been really good, and I think about 2010, everyone likes to refer back to that, and there's a little bit of eye-rolling when you go that back that far, but... That was the biggest thing about 2010 was that it wasn't just the fact that they had depth, but they had guys you could really count on. They had backups where it was like any guy that got put in there you knew could do something. And I think there's little little things that happen throughout the season that kind of telegraph what the what the end of the season is going to look like. And sure enough, in the Super Bowl, who gets an interception against the Steelers? Jared Bush, who mm-hmm. had absolutely nothing to do with the defense, but that was the kind of season they had where they got production from guys where you don't expect it. So one thing I said on Quick Slants earlier this week, was if Green Bay doesn't come out and play their best game on Sunday, it's not going to be because they're rusty. I mean, every single one of these guys have played at some point. Their whole roster has been tested. Their whole roster is ready. And I think there's there's a gain there. You're losing players that are preferred starters, yes. But you have a team that's mentally sharp. 
you know, I'd have to imagine if you're like the 53rd guy on the roster and, you know, and, and game day rolls around and you never play, how are you going to practice? How are you going to be? What kind of routine do you have on Sunday? But when you're like, man, I've had to go in these last two or three weeks or I'm going to start this week, you've mm-hmm. got a sharp roster of guys who are ready to go. And I talk about culture all the time. I think the culture of this team can overcome some of these injury issues because these guys are ready and they have quality depth, but it also helps when you have a front office that's just all of a sudden, man, you want to talk about a resurgence. Someone turned the lights on and everyone's awake. <laughs> and they have been making moves to try to improve this roster. And thank God they did. You mentioned Russell Douglas. Thank God they had him last week because Isaac Yadam was struggling real bad out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And I shudder to think what it would have looked like if, if they didn't have somebody else to put in there. You know, I don't think Quint Dunbar would have been ready, nor is he necessarily the guy you want out there. There's a reason he got signed to the practice squad and not to the active roster. So the Packers have, have fortunately stocked the cupboard where they need to, and they've got guys that are capable of stepping in and playing well. Now, on the Washington side of things, they are pretty banged up this week too. Mm-hmm. Offensive lineman Sam Cosme is out. Antonio Gibson, the running back, is listed as questionable. He was limited on Thursday and Friday. He did not practice on Wednesday. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver, he is out. Guard Brandon Scherf, preferred starter, he will not play. And then you've got cornerback William Jackson III, who's questionable, and a bunch of other guys. Terry McLaurin will play. He had a hamstring injury. He he practiced a little bit this week. So the Packers might also benefit, too, a little bit from, yeah, their depth guys might have to play, but the but Washington's pretty banged up as well. So they come in on the road, and they've got a tough task taking on the Packers with, with quite a bit of a, a banged-up roster. So if you think about that, with the Cosme injury, a couple of offensive linemen out there with regards to that pass rush, Paul, regardless of who's out there, I think the Packers could have a pretty good day getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I looked up the numbers on pro, over at Pro Football Focus, and first off, I'll say grades, I know, it's a it, it's not the be-all, end-all by any means, but it can be a useful tool for, especially for a, a, an unfamiliar opponent like Washington, in showing who's playing really well, and who's not playing really well, those extremes, I think that they can be helpful in that regard. So Samuel Cosme, he's the 11th highest-graded tackle in football this season. Brandon Sheriff is the 20th highest-graded guard. Then Washington's going to be without both of those players. So if there's a week where Green Bay is going to be without Preston Smith, and if Whitney Merciless isn't ready to suit up, I mean, this one this one is as good as any. And, hey, Rashawn Gary, young man, go take that game over. I wrote about Gary earlier this week because he doesn't have the sack numbers. He has one and a half this season, but he is absolutely affecting games. He's top 10 in pressures. He's been one of the better uh, run defenders uh, among the edge rusher position as well. And just because the, you know, the gaudy sack numbers aren't there and they'll come, but just because they aren't there doesn't mean he's affecting the game. He's done a very good job this season at wreaking some havoc. And those guys around him are absolutely benefiting. And someone else I wanted to, uh, mentioned as well, and I did a little bit earlier, but Dean Lowry, really since the, the, it was a rough start to the season, I'll say, but really since the San Francisco game, he's been getting just consistent push against both the run and the pass. In the last two weeks, it's it, it's turned into production. He's got eight pressures and two sacks, and Dean Lowry is not someone who's going to fill fill in the stat sheet. He, is, he does the dirty work inside. He takes on the double teams, multiple defenders, creates, his presence is not felt on the stat sheet always, but his teammates know when he's playing well because it makes their jobs easier. So Dean Lowry, 
is someone to keep our eyes on as well. But this is absolutely an offense, uh, a Washington offensive line that the Green Bay Packers defensive front should be able to have some success against. And if you ever know, I feel like the last couple of years when the Packers have had a favorable matchup on paper, they haven't necessarily shown big in the game. And it's one of those like, you know, play down to the opponent or for whatever reason, they just, the other, the other team does a good job of mitigating some of their losses and not letting a strength for the Packers overtake their game plan or their dictation. But, you know, I would love, that's one of the, one of the guys I'm really looking forward to seeing getting going in the second half is Rashad Gary. Cause I saw, I remember back to the, the Jacksonville game last year when the Packers were kind of sleepwalking through that one. And at the end, Rashad Gary just seemed to say, you know what, screw this. We're, we're winning this game. And he had two big plays in a row. I think he had the, either the sack or the tackle to end the game and get the ball back for the offense and kneel it out. And those are the kind of things I want to see from Gary. It's time because it's his third season now. He's he's got he's veteran enough. He's been out there. He's the man. You got no Z. You have plenty of motivation to jump in there and, and be good. And I'll take the production that other guys are getting because he's getting attention from the offensive line and those types of things. But I definitely want to see Gary on the stat sheet as well. That's something that the Packers defense is going to need against really good teams coming up here. You think about, like I said, you've got Arizona. Kyler Murray gets around. He's mobile. You're going to need an athletic guy like Gary to help keep him in check. Then you got Patrick Mahomes, who's only one of the biggest, best maestros in the NFL, although he's had a little bit of a down season this year. And then they're going to face Matt Stafford in a Rams uniform. We're familiar with Stafford, but now he's in that Rams offense. Just some of those quarterbacks that are coming up on the schedule. And you want to see guys turn up and have that second gear for so I overall I think the Packers are in pretty good shape here and the only other injury that we didn't talk about Paul is Equinemius St. Brown wide receiver he has a shoulder injury he is uh, was a full participant he will uh, it looks like he's going to play and for a guy that was on the bubble and was was didn't make the final roster and was on the practice squad and then got elevated after being a contributor over the past couple of years he had a rough NFC championship game should have had a touchdown against the Bears. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe he got the the shot in the arm, I guess, for lack of a better term, that he needed to say, like, hey, you want to be a part of this team? You got to start making plays. And I, I thought it was a real ticky-tack OPI call that took his touchdown off the board. I was really really frustrated for him because just a play like that can really catapult a player like him. But I think he'd be ready to go anyway. And, and EQ is one that's given the receiver room a little bit of a boost. He's not MVS and the Packers miss MVS and they need him back. And, you know, Malik Taylor and some of those depth guys, but you could do a lot worse than have an Equinemius St. Brown, especially if he can make that play and the refs keep the flag in their pocket. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it was, what was it? If you, I think it was going into the 2019 season. So it had to be EQ's second season. And that was the one he ended up missing Mm -hmm. with the ankle injury, I believe. Yep. Aaron Rodgers, that training camp, had talked very highly of him. So we know that Rodgers likes him. And even, um, I think it was on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week, Rodgers said that he was something along the lines of that he was happy to see EQ make it back to the practice squad. So although the production hasn't shown up on the field, we know how important trust is between Rodgers and his receivers. And it, it certainly seems like there's something there between those two in terms of Rodgers going, you know, throwing that ball to him on Sunday against Chicago and just past comments that they've made or that he's made. And one other point I wanted to make was, I know I spent time talking about how the, the backups and role players have stepped up, but this is a week where those star players, they could have some monster performances Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they're going up against the Washington uh, secondary. 
that in terms of passing yards allowed has given up the most per game this season. 310 is what they're averaging. And by DVOA, they rank 29th. And then, as we just talked about, this offensive line for Washington is banged up as well. They're going to be without two of their starters. Kenny Clark is just being a monster this season. He could just absolutely terrorize this uh, Washington front. So I know I spent time on the backups and role players, and it's important as well what they're doing. And again, they're going to need those guys to step up. But Kenny Clark, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they could all have huge games this weekend. Yes, I hope they do. I hope the strategy is get up big early and then just kind of you know, not put as much pressure on some of your younger guys that have to play. I mean, we talked, we touched on Darnell Savage concussion, didn't practice Wednesday, limited Thursday, Friday. He's questionable. I think that's, we're lucky that he even has an opportunity to play head injuries are always really scary. And so we'll have to see what happens with Savage. Uh, But then you've got, like you said, you've got Henry Black. Uh, What might we see Vernon Scott? Vernon Scott's been a healthy scratch. So obviously the Packers don't feel like he's ready yet to be out there. Otherwise he wouldn't have been scratched. Well, so maybe it, maybe he gets some time. Maybe he plays a little bit this weekend. So we'll have to see there. But yeah, I mean, let's not forget the the Warriors that are out there doing their work. I mean, Devontae Adams. You know, I feel like we should never not mention him on any of our shows, even though he's not on the injury report. He's just such a such a treat to watch and to have a quarterback like Rodgers throwing the ball. I mean, we've had some really really cool Rodgers wide receiver combinations with Jordy and Devontae and. Greg Jennings, who's getting ready to enter the Packers Hall of Fame soon, and Donald Driver, just guys like that. We've just been spoiled in Green Bay with some of these great receiver combinations to go along with Rodgers and Favre before him. So, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing left to do for the Packers is go out and dominate like you should at home and win a big game and get ready to head out west to face the Cardinals on a short week. So, Paul, I have an idea of how you might be leaning in this one before we sign off and talk about what we're working on for this next week. But what do you have as the result between the Packers and the Washington football team on Sunday? Before I get to that, one other random thing I'll just be watching is the linebackers for the Green Bay Packers, other than Devondre Campbell. Last week in Chicago, the snap counts, Oren Burks was second with 19, Jalen Smith had 17, and then Chris Barnes, 13. Honestly, that that would that's flipped from what I would have guessed it was. So maybe it was just you know maybe it was Justin Fields because he's mobile. They wanted Oren Burks out there with that you know athleticism that he brings as you know someone a spy or I'm not really sure what it was, but I just thought that that was I guess the word I'll use is interesting. But that's something I'll be watching this week to see is there some sort of trend or was that just strictly because, hey, we're facing Chicago. We thought that this was the best course of action, but I certainly wasn't expecting that. As far as my prediction, as we alluded to, the Green Bay Packers, they especially at home, they should they should have no trouble with this Washington team. As I mentioned by several metrics, the worst defense in football somehow, even with that strong defensive front that they have. And then on offense, uh, there's some playmakers, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, certainly, but they should be able to give Tyler Heineke some trouble, especially behind that offensive front. So I have Packers winning score. Let's go. Let's go 34. Let's go 34, 20. Okay. So the Packers get a win. And yeah, to your point on Barnes, I think either one of two things, either you're right. It was a matchup thing and it was a mobile quarterback thing or, Maybe Barnes was dinged up a little bit or nicked up, and they just felt like they needed to. They they had other guys that could step in and play those snaps because Barnes has been so impactful 
when mm-hmm. he does make plays. Like he's still such a good part of the defense. He was the green dot. So it's like steady, very. And and I know Devondre Campbell's taken over the green dot as he should. He has been just astronomically phenomenal. I hope he's mm-hmm. motivated to play against his former team. They're going to need a little extra juice from him against the Cardinals. But Chris Barnes, yeah, I mean, you have to assume the Packers had a plan and it obviously worked because they won the game. They ended up beating the Bears and maybe they flip it and we'll see what happens this week against Washington and the personnel that they have. But good problem to have if the Packers have options and they want to split the snaps up that way. I mean, you keep guys fresh that way and, and you get you get fresh legs come the end of the season and that's the other, the other gain there is finally there's some attention being paid to that linebacker group in the middle and they're producing. And you're getting some extra production there where you didn't before and you don't have to necessarily pull a defensive back away and leave the single high by himself or expose a guy like Kevin King who doesn't seem to cover deep very well anymore. Just... Great, like you said, great depth, great depth. So I have the Packers not brain farting this week too, unless I mean. So I have it a little bit more. I have twenty eight seventeen Packers, and I think if they if they can maybe get some points on defense, maybe they add to that total there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go conservative because it seems like whenever they should have one of those bolt race type days, they win. But it's not necessarily the runaway that we expect. So, but you know, style points in the NFL, like we've said before, don't count. Just get the win live to fight another week, and then hopefully stay healthy and be ready to go take on the Cardinals in Arizona. And next week when we're back, interestingly enough, it won't be the injury report. We're going to kind of be recapping a Packers and Cardinals game that will have been, what, a day and a half old at that point. So it'll be a little bit of a different little bit of a different run of show for us next week, and we'll hopefully have Matt back. But before we sign off, Paul, you've got – Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, Packers Unrestricted. What are you working on this next week? Uh, so some of the articles I put out is a lot of stuff that we discussed. I had something devoted specifically to Dean Lowry, the the backups in general is another article, the role players, one to Rashawn Gary, and then Friday over at Cheesehead TV. was just, I mean, the, tit- the title of the article was there's no such thing as too much offensive line depth. And the story was really centered around Lucas Patrick, someone that – was thought of as a potential cap casualty this this summer, just given the you know investments along the offensive line the last two drafts, specifically the interior, but the value in hanging on to him and what he you know there's 31 other NFL teams out there that wish that they had Lucas Patrick coming off the bench. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. And I will have the post-game recap up on Sunday at Game On Wisconsin after the Packers and Washington football game wraps up. And, of course, Quick Slants podcast on Monday. And then Thursday, it'll be a game preview for a Thursday night game against the Arizona Cardinals. And, of course, we'll have the weather report for you. So if anyone's got any weather reports and you want to be mentioned on the show, send it to either myself, at Jason Perrone, at Paul underscore Brettel, or at Matt Fralick, and I know that's not his Twitter handle, but I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now. So find Matt Fralick on Twitter and send it to him. DM us, tweet it to us, whatever. Send us any questions or comments as well. So Packers football Sunday, Packers Washington, fall is in the air, as Paul says. There's only one thing left to do for the Packers is get back home, get a win, and go Pack Go.